Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Stampede Blue. What we talking about? Indianapolis, AFC South. Stampede Blue, let's air it out. Fly route, let's air it out. Topics loaded like offense. Colt centric, talking about it often. Stampede Blue. Let's Welcome back to another Stampede Blue Colts cast, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host Matt Damley. Thank you guys all for coming back, and we are inching ever closer to the Colts Week Three matchup on the road against the Philadelphia Eagles. Big matchup for the Colts. A lot of things involved here. Carson Wentz coming back for his first game of the season. Uh, obviously the familiarity there with uh, Frank Reich, Doug Peterson, and the, and the Eagles organization at all in all. Um, lots of things to look at through this matchup. A lot of different situations on both sides of the, or both rosters. This is going to be, I think, a, an exciting game, to be quite honest with you. It's definitely better than its build. Right now, the Colts, I think, in a couple different places are either six-and-a-half-point favorites or seven – or I'm sorry, six-and-a-half-point underdogs – or seven-point underdogs. So depending on which way you look at it there, they're basically giving the Eagles a full touchdown at home. So that's not to be unexpected necessarily. Uh, today, to help me kind of talk about what the Colts would plan to do against the Philadelphia Eagles is my friend Kevin Hickey from Colts Wire. Kevin, thanks for jumping on, my man. What's up, Matt? Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Let's, uh, let's dig in here. First and foremost, what strikes you about this matchup? Uh, between the Colts and the Eagles here in Week Three. Well, this um, you know coming off a big win uh, against the Redskins in Week Two, you know it's the first time in I think it's five years that Colts have started one and one. Right. Um, you know that just to be able to have that kind of momentum going into this matchup certainly helps. You know you never want to start zero and two, but um, have that kind of momentum will will go a long way and. Uh, you know, I think they can really make a statement here. This is a game where if they can go on the road and even if they don't necessarily win the game, if they can show they can compete and stay in the game throughout the entire contest, um, they can make a statement to say, you know, hey, you know, we're not the 4-12 and team we were last year. You know, we've got a lot of different things on both sides of the ball. The defense is, I mean, head and shoulders, just completely different. They're mm-hmm. fast. They're a good tackling unit. They've shown to have good discipline. The defensive line is, to me, it's very underrated. Um, and then the offense is, you know, having Andrew Luck back is obviously huge. But the things that uh, Reich has been able to, Frank Reich has been able to implement into this offense, you know, it's it's gone a long way. So this is definitely a, a, a statement game, even if they don't win. You know, they can um, show that they can compete with some of the perceived top teams in the NFL. So this is a pretty big matchup. Right. Uh, well, look at, look, I mean, we look at their injury uh, for the week, the injury report, and it, it just doesn't look pretty, my man. We've got – No, it doesn't. Doyle is probably not going to play. It doesn't look like he hasn't shown up, at least at practice to this point, um, on Friday for his Friday practice. And a lot of other right. guys as well are absent. This, this, you know, I, I talked about this last night a little bit, but with that and Hewitt and Ebron being your only two tight ends there, and Hewitt looked awful blocking last week, you know, this is kind of something that what are they going to do if Doyle is out? Are they going to elevate uh, Eric Swope there? But the, the tight ends in general are really, you know, an essential part of this offense under Frank Reich and with Andrew Luck running it. And if, like, for example, if T.Y. Hilton's not available or Marlon Mack, I mean – that's three fewer weapons right now. At least two of those, uh, Hilton and Doyle. Luck depends on quite a bit. I mean, this this could be uh, a really odd game, personnel wise, and as far as I'm concerned, approach in how they're going to attack the Philadelphia defense. Yeah, you said it. I mean, um, their their tight end room, as as talented as they are with Doyle and Ebron and even Hewitt, 
Um, I, to me, it's thin to have three tight ends. You know, one of them goes down, then you're you're looking at okay, now we only have two tight ends, and the way they run two tight end sets, those tight ends are going to be on the field a lot. So yeah, I would expect them to if if Doyle can't go, he the reports are obviously the Colts haven't as of now at, at noon Eastern time they haven't released their injury report for the weekend, but uh, Doyle as of now, hasn't practiced on Friday, which would mean he hasn't practiced all week. Mm-hmm. Um, usually that does not bode well for the weekend. Um, so, yeah, I would expect them to bring up Swoop. Um, and in terms of, you know, who else they're going to have to lean on, you, you could see a lot more a lot more of uh, Naheem Hines. Um, you know, that he wasn't really a big part of the passing game as he was in week one uh, in week two, but... Um, you know, they're going to have to rely on him a little more. And then maybe even Ryan Grant, you know, if, if they feel they might have to look away from T.Y. Hilton a little bit because he's dealing with this sore quad. I mean, he returned to practice on Friday, which is huge, mm-hmm. because then he'll probably enter the weekend as questionable. But knowing T.Y., he's probably going to play. But they might, you know, they're going to have to lean on some of their other weapons. And, yeah, it's it's big. And you're probably not going to have Anthony Cassando either because he hasn't been practicing. Right. So they're they're missing a lot of pieces. Yeah, especially on offense, but defense isn't, you know, exempt from this either. Uh, Danico Autry, Hassan Ridgeway, neither one of them two have practiced all week. Chris Milton coming out of concussion has actually a full practice on Thursday yesterday. Uh, but, you know, this isn't – I mean, and then also you've got Quincy Wilson, which is another depth piece yeah. there at corner. This is kind of a, a, a sketchy deal, and with this it makes it harder to say, you know, this is how we're going to attack the Eagles. But with what they've got left, uh, at least offensively, going up against this defense, that is probably the better, best unit of any of the four that will be see the field, whether it's Colts offense or defense or Eagles offense or defense on both sides. You, you really have a defense that the Colts are going to have to be really good against uh, for the most part. Now, they, they, added, they allowed a ton of yards last week to Tampa Bay. They were beat, you know, they were gashed basically uh, by a couple different receivers. But that, I mean, it just, it feels different. Like we said, kind of because Doyle's a bit of that pillar. You know, we saw that they could manage the offensive line without Anthony Costanzo, probably waiting to make him 100% when he comes back. But how, how are, what, what strength do the Colts possibly have going into the game right now to where they can attack the Eagles and then be consistent doing it? Because they've been so good on third down, man, all year. But the, mm-hmm. the, these two guys, I mean, especially Hilton, uh, if for some reason he can't play, or Doyle, those two are a big part of those third down conversions. Yeah, they are. The Colts have been surprisingly very well. I mean, I think they're the top team in terms of third down um, yeah. going into week three. So that's that's a huge, you know, surprise just in terms of uh, what we saw last year. But uh, first of all, I think it, it's helped that they, they've had a lot of third and manageable, right? They don't, they're not seeing third and eights, third and tens, or third and sixes. They're, right. they're, uh, the, the quick passes are helping them set up a manageable third down. And then with the way Reich is calling the plays, um, it's giving them a lot of opportunities to get those quick third down conversions. Um, so what they're going to have to do, you know, I think what they can, where they can beat the Eagles is when they're, is when the Eagles are in man coverage. Mm-hmm. Um, with their cornerback, with Jalen Mills, he hasn't really had a great start to the season. And depending on who they have lined up against T.Y., it could be Ronald Darby, could even be Sidney Jones who's starting to work his way back. Um, you know, they can, they can get beat in man coverage. So I think that's something the Colts will have to exploit um, on Sunday. Obviously, they're not going to run man coverage the entire game. You know, they like to run some zone coverages, a lot of cover threes. So, but when they, when they get into those man coverage situations, I think T.Y. Hilton is someone they're going to have to target. Yeah. What, what do you think about, do you think it's even possible? I mean, we talk about Swope getting possibly brought up. Uh, do you think it's possible that they may bring one of the receivers up off the practice squad as well, especially if T.Y. can't go? I think it's, yeah. Uh, I, to be honest, I think T.Y. will go. Obviously, that's speculation. That's not anything right. that, right. that's something that could change overnight. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, someone I really liked through the preseason, and you know he didn't really flash that much, but he had a couple big plays with Steve Ishmael mm-hmm. uh, from Syracuse. So I, I'm pretty sure he's still on the practice squad. And yeah, I mean, if they, if they feel like, especially if Doyle can't go, that's another red zone target, because Steve Ishmael's a pretty big wide receiver. Um, He's had a history at Syracuse of, of making some contested catches. I think he's the leading receiver at Syracuse for their for their school. So yeah, um, he's somebody that the Colts could look to bring up, especially if Doyle can't go because that's another red zone target they're going to have to need for Andrew Luck. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they've also got Reese Fountain down there as well, but Ishmael, yeah. Ishmael yeah. seemed to be better and a little bit more equipped, I think, uh, both physically and mentally, to run the routes that they're expecting out of these guys, especially somebody who's going to be a fifth receiver coming in off the practice squad. If for, you know, right. Like I said, or like you said, I agree with you. They, they, it seems like a long shot being that Hilton says he's going to be fine for this week, but he still hasn't practiced. It's, it's really hard to say you know, that you would exactly. go a whole week out of practice and, and still be expected to play. So I think that there's a lot of possibilities right now. Uh, this offense mm-hmm. has their work cut out for him, man. But let's look at the, the other side of the ball real quick. The Colts defense, fast, young, uh, exciting, a lot of fun to watch, especially when they're stopping the run because that typically means that they're going to have more opportunities in coverage to make plays. The, the linebackers are going to be you know, getting some more of these shorter passing lanes and, and stuff as soon as this run game starts to crumble. But the Colts front four, is, as most people have seen, is either going to be feast or famine, I think, this year. You're either going to see the slants along the defensive line work really well uh, or you're going to have bad games where the slants are mistimed and, and you know, uh, not on the right play, basically. You're not, you didn't guess right, and then they're going to eat up a lot of yardage on the ground, which is going to make that passing game, if they were to do that, for Carson Wentz a lot easier, you know, especially in his first game back. But, this, I mean, the Colts have their weapons, their, their biggest weapons healthy, Malik Hooker and Darius Leonard. I mean, the, the corners have played nice and physical. Uh, Matthias Farley has has been, interestingly enough, the second safety when they've gone to a dime look and Gethers has come up into the box. Gethers is questionable probably right now for Sunday. But what, what do the defense, where do the strengths lie in the defense? And not necessarily with individuals, but with their units against a because you know the Eagles are fairly depleted on offense as well their their wide receiver core is trash right now and they're going to have to have a guys make a lot of plays to be good but where do the Colts attack this uh Philadelphia offense in your opinion right so you said it um I was going to say I'm, I'm not very impressed with the wide receiver group for the Eagles um Alshon Jeffrey's probably going to be out again which leaves Nelson Aguilar as their leading wide receiver. And he's, from my time working with the Giants and watching a lot of the NFC East, I really haven't been that impressed with Aguilar. He's, he's put up some good numbers, and he's, he's flashed a little bit. But I, he's not a guy, to me, that you key on and say, don't let this guy beat us. Mm-hmm. Now, that being said, they can't let him get behind the defense. So that's a lot on Hooker. Um, you know, you can't have a, a, another A.J. Green situation where he just completely dusts the secondary for a 30-yard touchdown. Um, for the strengths, they're going to have to stop the run. And Carson Wentz, his first game back, um, you know, there obviously is a chance that he could be rusty. So, you know, he's going to have a lot of adrenaline. It's going to be his first home game since tearing his ACL, which ended his 2017 season, had him miss out on a Super Bowl run. Um, so if, they, if they're able to stop the run, and Jay Ajayi right now, um, as of today, he didn't practice. Um, is what I'm seeing on Twitter, mm-hmm. which would be a huge miss for the Eagles' deep, or offense. Right. Um, Jay Ajayi has had a, a strong start to the season. He's really the the heart of that running game. So if the Colts are able, if he misses and the Colts are able to really key on on the running game, really make Carson Wentz roll a lot, and if they're able to set the edge, because we know the, the Eagles like to run a lot of options and a lot of play actions. So when they start doing those those RPOs and those those option runs, they're really going to have to set the edge, mm-hmm. um, and that's that's where I really think they could succeed is if they're able to to stop the run and force some of the receivers to make big plays. That's where they could find success. Yeah. They're really going to have to stop Zach Ertz too because Ertz is obviously an elite tight end. Absolutely, and and I think Darren Sproles has been out too. So you've got two of the yeah. three playmaking uh, positions there on offense really you know kind of bare as they go into this game so I mean this this look I I think that you could reasonably make a case for either team winning this game and you'd probably be pretty darn close to being right but looking at the way that this is set up for the Colts defensively uh and kind of what they do not necessarily best but it's more of a, a I think the Colts need to attack the strength of the Eagles which is their tight ends like you just mentioned they have to do that because the running back – I mean, force the running backs and the receivers that are guys being re-signed. Kamar Aiken came, you know, came back. They just re-signed Jordan Matthews. And Matthews yeah. hasn't really done anything anyways. So how can – you know, the, he shouldn't be a guy you would expect to go off. 
go after their right. tight ends, go after their strength, and then hope that the rest can crumble behind it, in my opinion. Because I think that that's, you know, pop a couple of those guys really good, make sure the coverage on them is really tight, and, and force Carson Wentz to go to some of these guys that are have, I mean, ultimately kind of bottom feeders right now because they've had so many injuries. I mean, they're going to have to rely on Corey Clement, who's a good running back, but then, you know, spelling him is going to be Wendell Smallwood and maybe Josh Adams or whatever they end up coming up with. To me, you attack the tight ends and you win, I think the Colts win the game. Yeah, and uh, it's kind of interesting what you said about Jordan Matthews. The Jordan Matthews signing is interesting because when you, you figure Matthews is more of a slot wide receiver, mm-hmm. right? So he's going to be taking up uh, more of the inside routes. That's going to push Nelson Aguilar to the outside, most likely. Which doesn't And when Nelson him. Aguilar is, is on the outside, he, he just doesn't win. He's not as good of a wide receiver when he's working on the outside. So if they do play Jordan Matthews a lot, um, I know he was just signed, I think this week or, or late last week. Um, you know, if that, if they wind up pushing him back outside, that's going to be a huge advantage for the Colts because Nelson Aguilar just, he just isn't the same wide receiver when he's on the outside. I agree completely. So what do you, what do you think about this one? Is this a, is this a Colts win or is this the Eagles in, cause their, their place is hell to play in. Uh, do the Eagles yeah. hold that much of a, I guess a home field advantage in this one to where they can pull it out? Um, I think the home field advantage will definitely play a part just because Eagle fans are absolutely ruthless at Lincoln Financial Field. Um, but to me, the biggest concerns for the Colts are the injuries. Mm-hmm. You don't have Anthony Costanzo. You're probably not going to have Jack Doyle. Danico Autry is probably going to be out. There are a lot of injuries to very key positions. Um, and with the, even though I know, uh, We've seen the Eagles' defense be really shaky. Um, I think they're still a solid unit. I still think their defensive line is probably the deepest in the NFL. Um, and we've seen the Colts hold their own against deep defensive lines. You know, we saw them hold their own against the Bengals. Um, we saw them hold their own against the Redskins, who have a probably a, an underrated defensive line. Absolutely. Um, but I, on the road, I just don't see it in Carson Wentz's return. Yeah. I, I'm kind of leaning towards that myself. I just wonder, you know, I mean, Carson Wentz is a good quarterback. He's a real good quarterback. And yeah. I just – it uh, he he hasn't really – it's not like he's not been practicing. He's been doing all the drills. But it's the live bullets factor, I think, that really yeah. is going to tell the difference. We'll see in the first few possessions kind of how how on he is, where his timing's at and stuff like that. Colts could take advantage of some early game struggles on his part. So that might be – their entire focus, you know, script those to be some really aggressive play calls and try to get Carson Wentz shaken a little bit, if at all possible. So it's going to be a good one. But yeah, I, and I'm, I'm like you. I think that and I, I feel like if, if there, sorry, but I, okay. I feel like if there is a time to really attack and really make a difference in the game, it's going to be early. Yeah. So if you dial up some blitzes, if you really get some pressure on Carson Wentz, that could wind up shaking him for the rest of the game. And, and I don't want to say that the Colts can't win because, Obviously, they they can surprise people like they did in week two. Um, I just I think there there might be a little bit too much going against them in terms of injuries. Yeah, I wonder that myself. But uh, it's going to be a good game, Kevin. Thank you for uh, dropping by the show today, my man. I appreciate it. Tell everybody where they can find you. Uh, you can find us at the Colts Wire, coltswire.usatoday.com. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Kevin Hickey Eleven, and uh, the Colts Wire's Twitter is at the Colts Wire. Absolutely. I appreciate it, man. I, I always love coming on the show. You guys do great work over there. And uh, it seems like every time I, I open up Stampede Blue, I'm learning something new. So I, I really appreciate you bringing me on. We appreciate that, man. And, and we're a fan of yours as well. So um, everybody, make sure you guys are going to follow Kevin. Great, uh, great source for, for uh, Colts news and uh, analysis as well. So, uh, Kevin, thanks, man. I appreciate it. Great time having you on. Guys, stay tuned. Uh, we're going to have Michael Kist on for the second half of the show. He is Bleeding Green Nation, and uh, he's going to tell us what the Philadelphia Eagles are going to do to target and uh, attempt to exploit the Colts in this Week 3 matchup. So stay tuned, and uh, we'll see you guys here in just a few moments. Welcome back, folks. Uh, we now have my man Michael Kist on the line from Bleeding Green Nation, BGN Radio, the Kist and Solak Show. Michael, what's up, my man? You are flying high, man. It's a good <laughs> week to be alive. Week three NFL action. Carson Wentz 
is back in action for the Philadelphia Eagles. Couldn't be more excited, man. Let's let's start there, dude. So, I mean, I, I, I'm, I was smart enough not to really pay attention to the people who were saying that Andrew Luck was going to be terrible coming back, you know, because he's been off the field. I thought he might be a little rusty, you know, have some uh, a game or two to really get himself, his feet underneath him, so to speak. Uh, you, you figure it to be the same for Carson Wentz, maybe a little rusty, but overall uh, should be doing him, be in pretty good shape, being that he's been in most of the practices. He just simply hasn't been there for contact. Yeah, I mean, Andrew Luck was over 600 days since his last game played. It's been nine months for Carson Wentz, and he had nearly a full season under his belt. He has looked fresh, uh, in tune with the offense during training camp and, and practices, and all the reports say that he's he's sharp mentally, sharp physically, and that's something that Doug Peterson pointed out today in the press conference. So I don't see much. Like, it's weird because – it's hard to say that he's going to come out and be the same quarterback that he was last year right out of the gate. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's an unfair expectation. Right. However, I don't expect him to be some like newborn calf out there. So <laughs> maybe somewhere in the middle ground, and we'll, we'll see if he can get hot. I agree, and I love the analogy to a newborn calf. That as always, that would always be a great sight there on the football field to watch. That <laughs> that's usually what happens after one of the concussions, not not with the quarterback coming out. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. But no, yeah, I, I expect full confidence from Carson. I'm really, uh, it'll be really telling to see what happens when he needs to step up into the pocket and really plan off that leg. And because that's what you see a lot with quarterbacks with ACLs, that unwillingness to, to step into the snake pit, as it were, mm -hmm. and fire and del deliver. Um, I think Carson Wentz got the mental toughness to be able to deal with it and, and put, put it past it once the bright lights come on and, and really just put on a show. So I'm excited for it, and uh, I, I, hope it's, I hope it's everything that everyone imagines is going to be. Yeah, I, ho <laughs> I honestly hope it's just a really good game because I'd love to see the Colts make it extremely competitive and play well, not a situation mm. where both teams look like <laughs> crap and the Colts lose by one. You know, that, that's never going to make anybody feel good on either side of the ball or on either side of the fandom, I guess you could say. But with the injury report kind of the way it is right now, Carson Wentz is coming back, but you've got a lot of guys out, both in the receiving core and in the running back room. So what what are we what what should we expect the uh, Eagles' approach to be offensively against a, a young and exciting Colts defense with with basically your your franchise there, but a lot of his you know best buddies not not really available and and not willing to not able to get on the field and, and help and compliment what he's doing coming back. Yeah, it's unfortunate because Alshon Jeffrey has not been clear for contact yet. He's coming back from that torn rotator cuff surgery that he had in the, in the off season. Matt Collins has been on IR. Mike Wallace may not make it back this season with the uh, ankle injury he suffered in Tampa Bay. That's three of your top three starters, you know, are, are, you know, you added Nelson Aguilar, three of your top four starters right there. So you're really leaning and you can see the target distribution for the Eagles over 20 targets for Zach Ertz, over 20 targets for Nelson Aguilar. And then it drops down to Darren Sproles as the next highest targeted person. He wasn't, he didn't even play in week two because of the hamstring and he's going to be uh, somewhat of a, uh, not necessarily a game time decision. I think they're announcing it later today. Jay Ajayi is dealing with his back. So really depleted on the offensive weapons and what that means is you know you bring in Jordan Matthews the old uh, old teammate for Carson during his his rookie year and you might push Nelson Aguilar out to the outside a little bit more they're going to move him around a lot so maybe he sees half of his snaps on the outside half of them inside and they'll rotate guys in and out I don't see Jordan Matthews getting like 60 snaps right out of the gate but right. Yeah, Nelson outside and Zach Ertz, and hopefully we see some more Dallas Goddard because Dallas Goddard has not been getting uh, the amount of snaps that you would expect from a second-round rookie that, that you know we really coveted. And last year we really liked to use those two tight end sets, which maybe, maybe that influences a bit of Frank Reich because they're using a heck of a lot of them in Indianapolis. If I'm not mistaken, they're using about 36% of the time over there. So... Uh, we'll see how they deploy as far as personnel groupings because right now they've been a three wide receiver team. But I mean, we're the wide receivers, <laughs> right? Can so can that tight end room carry the team offensively, especially with a defense that basically knows that? I mean, obviously you, you can't just let other guys run free, 
but if the Colts were to focus on that tight end room, is that something that you know that you think the Eagles can kind of overcome throughout their offensive play throughout the day? I mean, wh- wh- is that their strength, and and is it strong enough? to battle the Colts who aren't a great defense, but they're going to be a defense, in my opinion, who's going to really try to lock down those guys to keep the offense from really getting a jump start. Yeah, and I think what you're going to see from the Colts is them funneling that stuff inside to those linebackers like Darius Leonard and Anthony Walker and Sky Moore and whatnot. And that the plan for the Eagles should not only be to get 12 personnel involved with Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz because those are two of your better weapons and you know Nelson Aguilar is more you know, uh, in tune with playing in the slot right now, but you have a, uh, a soft shell cover two, sometimes cover three defense with the Colts that did a fantastic job against the Washington Redskins of limiting those downfield shots. And the Redskins came in the wrong game plan. They were looking for a lot of vertical shots. It held. It made Alex Smith hold on to the ball longer than he was comfortable with. You saw a lot of checkdowns. Chris Thompson had 14 targets, 13 catches. They didn't stretch the Colts' defense horizontally with some quick hitting type stuff. And I think that's what the Eagles need to do against those zones. You've got a young secondary, a young linebacker group. They're not making things too exotic. It's, it's a bit of a static cover two zone. They want to play that soft shell zone, and then they want to come and attack after the, uh, the pass is you know, completed very, very short. So low air yards is, is probably what you're going to have to see from the Eagles, mm-hmm. and you're going to have to see them stretch them horizontally. Now, whether they stretch them horizontally with 11 personnel with three wide receivers or they do it with 12 with two tight ends, you can do it with 12, and they do it in Indianapolis as well. Have you seen it with Frank Reich? You can get Eric Ebron and Jack Doyle or Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard on the field and put them in trips and have one guy isolated on the other side. So you can still stretch horizontally with 12 personnel, but that's the kind of attack that I want to see, some quick-hitting stuff where you've got you know curls and, and, and whip routes and, and whatnot to attack those short zones mesh, which you know you guys are fully familiar with now with, right. with Frank Reich. But uh, yeah, attack horizontally, make it quick, and then your, your playmakers are going to have to make plays after the catch. That's just what it is. And now can that offense – I mean, they, I agree. They, they are going to have to attack downfield because I don't think – I mean, the quick passing game, as we've seen with the Colts, is a high percentage thing. It's a good thing to get the rhythm going. I think they'll probably do a little bit of that to start the game with Carson Wentz. But once they do realize that they've got to attack these – you know, the, the, this Colts defense, can this offensive line – hold up to a team that may blitz significantly more than what they have thus far throughout the year because the Colts are in fact if I'm not mistaken they blitz the least in the NFL right now if they were to, if they were to flip their game plan upside down and try to attack Carson Wentz in his first game back and really get him shook is that an offensive line that can handle the extra pass rusher yeah, I think they had some communication issues last week that they're going to get cleaned up. That's a doggone good offensive line you're looking at with four guys that have gone to the Pro Bowl, and then you throw in Steven Wisniewski at left guard, and he's he's solid as well. So I, I think they can definitely handle the communication there. The Colts, even if they do bring a lot of pressure, nothing is going to be too exotic to where it's going to really fool them that much. And that's not a knock on them. It's just you know they haven't in, in, installed a lot of stuff on that defense because, again, they're so young, uh, and all they want to be is assignment sound, even at the cost of being bland. And that's worked for them in certain scenarios. And it's, it's bit them a little bit in other scenarios against the Bengals, for instance. But I think anything the Colts throw out them defensively shouldn't surprise this Philadelphia Eagles team. And then if, if, if the blitz isn't getting home, that's when you can start taking those shots with Nelson Aguilar downfield. And some of those things might, might open up. I would welcome uh, the, the Colts to blitz because maybe we could get some more chunk plays a little more naturally rather than having to try to force things against you know a team that is dropping seven guys into, into soft coverage. Absolutely. So then you look at the running backs now and – you kind of have. I mean, we all know that Corey Clement is 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 a, a guy who is more than able and capable of handling a little bit larger load than what he's normal to. But when then you look at the fact that the two guys ahead of him aren't there, is he going to be a guy that they can hand the ball to twenty times? And then with the guys that are going to spell him with Smallwood and Adams, what does that mean for the running back room? Is there just going to be a ton of pass attempts and very little rushing attempts? They're going to try to use these guys out of the backfield a ton. Or how, how do you see that their kind of uh, their balance between the running game goes? I think the first thing that I want to see and to see how that running game is going to go is the fact that against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the uh, JHI goes uh, out early in the first half, and in the second half he comes back, 
and they go to 12 personnel early in that half with Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard and Jay Ajayi. That's when the Bucks came out in their base defense with three linebackers because before that, they were not respecting the fact that we were going to run the ball with Corey Clement and Wendell Smallwood and company. So you're going to have to get that running game going to get that base defense out there to start exploiting some of the matchups that you're going to get with 12 personnel. So early on, I would see, I would expect them to come out in that 12 personnel with the, with the wings and try to get that going to try to get that third linebacker on the field. And then you can work with play action against them. And, you know, I like, I like Darius Leonard in coverage, but uh, the other guys out there that I've seen in coverage are, are pretty basic and not all that athletic. No offense to Anthony Walker, but like, that's what I'm going after. I'm, I, and I'm going after the, the what, number 44. I can't even think of his name right now, but like I saw him on the field and I was like, okay, if we get him on the field, then we can get Goddard on him and, and we're good there. I just don't know if Corey Clement is going to get 20 carries. I think it's going to be more like a 15-8 split with him and Wendell Smallwood and you throw in a couple for Josh Adams, who he just uh, brought on from the, uh, from the practice squad. So it, it, we're going to have to. And we have the offensive line to be able to take care of things up front. However, I do think that the Colts' front four is a better run-stuffing unit than they are a pass-rushing unit. So they may be able to get some wins there. Yeah, I agree with you there. And we've seen a little bit of Marcus Hunt, you know, really kind of playing beyond any expectations over the past two years, especially with two to, with a, you know, another scheme change. And then, you know, Al Woods has been solid. They've got some good interior push, uh, but they're, 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 and like you said, I agree with you because their interior push is so good. They can continue to do that on running downs, but their, their edge rush right now is really almost solely relying mm. on Jabal Sheard and, and Marcus Hunt right now. And that just can't be the case, especially going in to a team, you know, it, it, I mean, look, Philly is going to be one of the hardest places that this Colts team plays all year, no doubt. It wouldn't matter. It wouldn't even really matter what kind of a team Philly was putting on the field. This is going to be a hard game, regardless for the Colts. They're going to struggle. the The Philly defense, though, is going to have you know, <laughs> the Colts may. I don't think they will, but they may be without T. Y. Hilton. We're going to have probably the Raven Clark. Uh, at left tackle again this week mm. because Costanzo's struggling. But I thought Clark did admirable considering what he has shown in the past, the, this past week against the Redskins. So, uh, But even still, the, the Colts are, are depleted a little bit. Marlon Mack's still out, which I don't know that that makes a big difference really, right. probably for some space plays. But, I mean, look, most of their defense, most of Philly's defense is pretty healthy. You're still going to have to deal with Derek Barnett. The Colts are going to have a lot of issues with this Philly defense. What are they going to do to attack this Colts offense? And Jack Doyle may be out too. That that really limits Andrew Luck as far as what he's got in his bag for for the guys he's most comfortable with targeting. That's for sure. Yeah, for what they like to do, Jack Doyle, for me, would be the biggest cause of a shift in philosophy for the Colts' offense to kind of get them out of their comfort zone. I'm fine with the with the Colts trying to attack with three wide receivers because there's really one, and it's T.Y. Hilton, and he needs to play. And, you know, he he's a warrior, dude. He'll play through uh, anything. I put it out there that he might miss, and I had Jake Arthur from the official Colts sites. You know, we talked we talked in the DMs, and he was like, I would expect him to play just because that's the type of guy he is. So mm-hmm. I really have a lot of respect for T.Y. Hilton, what he's able to play through and the level he's able to play at. With that said, I agree that uh, Marlon Mack being out wouldn't be that big of a hit. I really, really like Naeem Hines. And uh, Jordan Wilkins is a nice compliment to him as runner as well, can contribute in the past game a little bit. Naeem Hines, to me, is someone that you try to get locked up on a linebacker matchup, and it's something that we've seen them try to do, and they, they'll throw him out on a wheel while they're running mesh in the middle, and they'll see if they can get him, uh, what was it, week two, they got him locked up on Ryan Anderson, the linebacker for Washington. Yeah. That was a point four difference on 40 time. Uh, the throw just didn't come. A uh, week before that, they had him on Preston Brown, and Preston Brown got burned on an angle route by him. So, And then they'll use him in that 21 personnel. They'll use that two-back set with him and Jordan Wilkins. With a, they like to motion a uh, Hines a lot and then pass the ball to him and you know uh, on the outside of the formation with a couple wide receivers blocking for him so a lot of stuff that you can do with Hines and he's going to have to get hyper activated in the passing game if Doyle is out if Doyle is not out then it'll be interesting that the linebackers Bradham was a little bit rusty last week uh, what I want to see because the the depth of the target 
for the Colts. They've uh, they've only thrown four deep passes over 20 yards this entire you know in the first two games. But what I want to see from the defense is not to get shredded on that underneath stuff a lot like they did against Tampa Bay because they had so much respect for the playmakers and the speed there. Is to run less cover three, run more inverted cover two. Let McLeod sniff around the box because he's very good at overlapping zones and making plays when he sees things to try to take things away and make plays against Andrew Luck because it's going to be that quick hitting passing attack unless they start to get vertical with with T.Y. So I would throw a little extra attention towards T.Y.'s way and then just bring everybody else up and let let them play fast downhill. Uh, And I would expect them also to to send some blitzes, test that left side because we haven't been getting – that much pressure from that left side with Derek Barnett out there. He's been a a bit of a ghost. He's been fantastic against the run, but a bit of a ghost as a pass rusher. And I think they might try to switch things up. And uh, you saw it in week one. They tried to move Michael Bennett out there for some snaps. And they had Chris Long working over there. They flipped Brandon Grant over there for a few snaps. So they're trying to manufacture some pressure from that side for sure. Absolutely. Well, and then you look at that and you kind of take all that into consideration for their passing game, for the Colts passing game. The, the Eagles have, have shown – I mean, it's only been two weeks, but they're down in the bottom of the league, I think 28th or 29th in, in total pass yards, which isn't really all that big of a deal. You're looking at scoring and stuff, what they've done in the end. Have they forced field goals, so on and so forth. They've got six interceptions this – I'm sorry, they've, they've forced six sacks this year. Is the, mm. is the pass rush not uh, – is it not a consistent pressure? Is it, is it basically a feast or famine so far with the, with the Eagles right now? Or what exactly are the Colts facing with that? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're creating pressure over a 35% clip in, in both games. And I thought that the pressure was consistent. And I think the biggest question is in the Bucks game because they got torched a little bit there. They pressured Ryan Fitzpatrick on 38% of his dropbacks. You didn't notice because Ryan Fitzpatrick was getting rid of the ball in 2.2 seconds on average, which mm-hmm. was faster than the week before against the Saints where he was getting out lightning fast. They were getting there, and Fletcher Cox has been extremely disruptive uh, in the middle for them. And by the way, I really want to see Fletcher Cox and Quentin Nelson against each other in, so, in some meaningful reps in the run and pass game. I think that's a super fun matchup. Uh, just like uh, Nelson acquitted himself well against Jonathan Allen uh, last week, and Allen got some wins, Nelson got some wins. It's, it's a really fun player to watch. But overall, the pass rush ha- was fine, did not wear out throughout the game. They were getting to Fitzpatrick, and they ended up with two sacks. One was like a, a scramble, but the other one, Cox just came in and just destroyed things, and it was an immediate sack. So they were getting there. It was just the, the coverage, they were playing a little bit soft for, for my liking. And they were able to get rid of the ball really quick. And Ryan Fitzpatrick was really good at identifying pre-snap leverage where he should go with the ball, getting to his first read. I charted it. He, within, within his last step of his drop and one hitch, he got rid of the ball 71% of the time So before that next step came. So the pass rush for the Eagles, especially at home, is going to be bumping, and uh, that's why I'm confident that they can bring even more pressure to get home and bring those zones even closer because uh, Andrew Luck is going to be under some fire and he is going to have to get rid of the ball quick. Yeah, he's been taking a lot of hits. I think they've they've only given up three sacks, but he's been hit 16 times. And that, if you look at yeah. the guys who have uh, the most QB hits, almost. I mean, I think the large percentage of them have eight or nine sacks against them, six, you know, somewhere between six and nine sacks that they've allowed their offensive lines, whereas it's an outlier with Luck because that's the same thing. He's been able to get the ball out quick, which is keeping him from being sacked, but the Colts are still allowing some pressure. Which side of the ball do the Eagles actually hold the largest advantage on, in your opinion? I would say it's a defense just because of the lack of, of big time playmakers and uh, you know Ty being banged up. He's not going to be at 100 percent if he plays. The Eagles at home, their their home and road splits are wildly different. It's a Jekyll and Hyde situation with them. You know, over 20 per- points averaged on the road with since Jim Schwartz has been the coordinator. I think it's something like 12 points allowed at home. And that crowd noise is a big time advantage for them. And it's big for the pass rushers because guys like Michael Bennett and guys like Derek Barnett, this is why I'm thinking Barnett might have a, a, a nice little bounce back game, really key in on the tendencies and the cadence and, of an offense. And after the first quarter, because, you know, the offense, you're, you're not going verbal out there. Everything signals and, and you start to get in a rhythm with your cadence that the defense can key in on. And 
Barnett feast on that. When he's keying to the snap, that's when he wins with that first step quickness. So he can struggle otherwise. But at home, this Eagles defense is an absolute wood chipper. You saw it against the Falcons. They gave up yards from 20 to 20. I said they would before the game, and then they got to the red zone, and they absolutely stalled out. And it wasn't just because of Steve Sarkeesian's uh, incompetence. There was excellent execution from the Eagles defense in the red area as well. So I'll go advantage Eagles defense uh, all day long, and I hope they lean on them to win this game. Now, and, and that's a, a, from the personnel standpoint, I totally agree with you. Looking at you know the play caller standpoint of this, it, it makes it a little interesting because there is the familiarity there with Reich to Schwartz's system and vice versa. Where do these two kind of match up, do you think? Is this going to be a game where it depends on scheming largely to, to kind of overtake the other? Or is this something that where these guys are just basically going to rely on their personnel to make, you know, to execute at a high level? Yeah, I think both of those guys are are pretty uh, uh, comfortable with with executing their game plan no matter who they're going up against and not changing changing up too much. Obviously, they're going to throw some wrinkles in there, but I don't think you're going to see anything new and exotic from Jim Schwartz and I don't think you're going to see anything too crazy from uh, Frank Reich on the other side just because of you know the weapons that he's dealing with he's going to want to execute his offense and you know Schwartz is going to put it on the offense to execute so if they die by a thousand paper cuts then they die by a thousand paper cuts but they didn't give up the big shot Mm -hmm. so I think that'll be the focus for for Schwartz he may bring some more blitzes and whatnot and try to try to get the uh, the heat going up and get the ball out quicker and hopefully what I'm hoping for uh, like I said, that inverted cover two to get more zones in the short areas, and then also you know trying to uh, do some run blitzes and and just attack them a little bit more than they attacked the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because I felt he coached a little bit scared in that Bucks game. He got away from the blitz after he got burned on it on the first on the first play uh, where Malcolm Jenkins ended up busting his coverage, relying on the blitz to get there and all that. Uh, but yeah, I mean. We know we know that offense that that they're running in Indianapolis. I was watching it the other day, and I saw you know the mesh sit concept. And right after that, you know from eleven they were running wham, and it was like it, it was just it was it was watching Eagles film basically. <laughs> so they both know each other. It's just going to come down to execution. Yeah, I'm I'm actually really excited to watch that kind of the meeting of the minds there with that because Schwartz is yeah. you know as a head coach hasn't been all that successful, but he's been really successful, and people really praise him within the, uh, the Eagles organization for his ability to game plan and get these guys to execute and vice versa. We as Colts fans are, are really high on Frank Reich right now because you see that he's not a guy who gets too high or too low. He's going to stick to his game plan like you mentioned. And, and it just it, it really is going to be fun to watch. I hope that it becomes good execution on good execution and that makes for good football to watch. But in the end, obviously, it just really comes down to, you know, who you've got available and and who makes, you know, one or two big plays or bad plays. So it'll be a lot of fun for me, from my vantage point, to watch uh, Coach Wright go after Schwartz and kind of try to pick his guys apart and see what it does if he's able to do that early in the game and then vice versa on the other side of the ball. So uh, it's just going to be a really interesting game to watch, I think. Yeah, and Doug Peterson said it today in his press conference that he has never seen Frank Reich uh, get ruffled whatsoever. So he's got that nice, cool, calm, not too high, not too low type of demeanor. And, and Doug's, Doug's like that on the sidelines. He's been a little bit fiery, fiery with the press lately because they keep bugging him up about Carson Wentz. And now that, that off, that's off his shoulders, he seems a little more chipper <laughs> around the building. But that you know that's that the even keel type mentality is what you need. Jim Schwartz, on the other hand, is an absolute maniac. Right. Uh, which I kind of love for my defensive coordinators, uh, you know, but he he caught a lot of flack for for the last game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He didn't adjust as well as he typically does. Typically in the second half, the Eagles' defense gets even better, and that's the sign uh, of really good coaching because teams are trying to adjust to what you're doing and counterpunch. And if you don't have another counterpunch back, then you're just going to keep you know you're going to get punched in the face a lot. So uh, that was disappointing from Schwartz last week. I think he gave a lot of respect to their weapons. Uh, I, I could see him doing really well in this matchup with his, uh, with his buddy Frank. But, yeah, if, they start to, if the Colts start to dial some things up and, and catch the Eagles off guard, I want to see if Schwartz is able to uh, get into a battle of wits and come out on the winning side with, uh, with his buddy Frank. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Uh, well, the Colts just now announced that six of their seven uh, – in inactives are are already set to be 
uh, out for Sunday. Danico Autry, Ooh. Anthony Costanzo, Jack Doyle, Marlon Mack, Hassan Ridgeway, Quincy Wilson, all just announced as out for Sunday. So there is uh, – that's a that's an ugly – ugly start to the to the weekend but uh man so gonna, that means that um tough. pierre desir is going to start on the outside for you guys the lindenwood kid that's bounced around the, the league a little bit right yeah yeah and he's he's good he had a really good week last week really good he's been yeah he's been pretty uh pretty solid i think since the colts brought him in last year um, yeah he, he was a long corner that i liked coming out of lindenwood know he was going to need some development that he wasn't going to hit right away if he, but if he got in a good situation that he could develop into something nice and you know, he, he was a bit of a darling of mine, so it's nice to see him play last week. And like you said, I really liked him in coverage last week. I thought he had a fantastic game. Uh, he was he was sure in his coverage. So uh, hopefully that's uh, that means that you guys found some more depth in that cornerback group because uh, you definitely could use some uh, some young guys in there. Yeah, I don't know if we uh, if we found enough. I think that Wilson Wilson wasn't really playing a bunch of snaps anyways, but still, you you need that extra guy in there. Hopefully, Milton's ready to go and uh and all set he's coming out of concussion so you never know uh just that first that first physicality of the game could knock him right (laughs) back out that just seems like it's up and down you can flip a coin on those guys that come back from concussion each week so yeah you guys well you guys play a lot of three safeties on on third down too yeah so yeah i could definitely see you know if 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 pierre desir is able to step up his game and you get you know quincy back and, and milton back that you might be able to uh, get away from that. I think that's more of a necessity thing with you guys, or unless you just really like the skill set of uh, Matthias Farley, which you know I could probably take or leave to be honest. <laughs> yeah, uh, he's been good for the Colts. They put him in last week, and they've been doing that where they'll bring Gathers in or down. You know, whether it be Dimer, you know, a heavy nickel. Uh, they've been doing that, and it's worked for the Colts so far. Matthias Farley, oh, yeah. he's, he's a physical guy, and he's and he's better than Gathers right now in coverage. So I think that that's a smart mm-hmm. move for them uh, to try to. to try to bring more physicality to the middle of that defense so I think it's a smart move when you look at who the other options would be uh, they do use um, you know Sky Moore the undrafted free agent they use him a yeah. little bit in the nickel um, but he's not the heavy nickel and they've used him in dime as well but I don't think mm-hmm. that, that was when uh, Gethers was healthy I think I mean I'm talking preseason right. here so that obviously has changed quite a bit but uh, yeah man gonna be a good game my dude michael thank you so much for for joining us here again on the colts cast man always a, a, a pleasure to have you on and uh you know we've got some talking to do in the next few days as the game starts to get underway i'm, I'm scared to death about this one it just looks ugly <laughs> from top to bottom uh but what, what are your thoughts uh you i think i'm pretty certain that you would pick the eagles i picked the eagles myself so what do you, where do you think this game kind of ends up? Is this a close game, one-score game, or is this possibility for the Eagles to open one up on the Colts? I think it might be a little bit slow out of the gates, and you're going to see some longer type of grinding drives, which the Colts were able to finish on last week against the Redskins. So that was an, an encouraging sight from their offense to be able to do that. Uh, so long, grinding kind of game. Now, I don't know if either team can really get the run game going that much. But I went with, when we did our preview show on the Kiss and Solak show, I went 21-14 to 14 Eagles. So I think the Eagles win comfortably. Um, but the game, at some point, you know, it's always going to be kind of close enough for the Colts just to be within that striking distance, which is, which is dangerous for any NFL team to let a team hang around like that. So it could, could come up to a, uh, to a crazy finish. But I've got the Eagles by seven. Yeah, I think the the only thing that's saving the Colts or the only thing that's keeping the Colts uh, you know, in the ballpark I think of getting at least 21 points is the fact that Hilton is not ruled out quite yet. So that's a good thing. Yeah. It, it, definitely a big help for the Colts because otherwise they uh, you know, they're struggling at tight end yeah. right now and you know, their biggest you know, biggest help on the uh, offensive line is out again. So, we, you know, we're just going to have to deal with this for a couple of weeks, I think. Hopefully the Colts can manage and, and do this. But it, it's going to – I think it sets up to be a good afternoon game here at 1 o'clock. So, uh, Michael. Hey, hey this, uh, this, this, this Colts offense reminds me so much of the 2016 Philadelphia Eagles offense. They're like literal dop- doppelgangers. And uh, I hope you guys get on the weapons for luck train in that wide receiver group next offseason. Yeah, the, just the year before they really exploded – uh, last year that that's hopefully what I'm uh, hopefully that is exactly what we see the year before they go big Colts could use going big uh, as far as yeah. weaponry that's that's for sure gets Andrew Luck a lot more help up there so 
guys yeah. that that's it for the show today uh we'll have our uh reaction show on monday thank you michael for for stopping by man always a good time and make sure that you guys are getting us on itunes or apple podcasts and hooking us up with a rating and review uh, make sure you guys are staying tuned for the uh, for the news coming up about the podcast. That's continued to get pushed back a little bit by a little bit each uh, each a day it seems. But we do have some great news for you guys coming up. So make sure you're staying tuned for that. Uh, otherwise, good luck to uh, to Michael and the Eagles. Not really, but we're gonna hope that the Colts can do something here uh, with all the weaponry and, and, and personnel that they're gonna be without on Sunday. So uh, Colts fans, keep your fingers crossed. We'll see how it goes, and uh, we'll talk to you guys. Monday, right here on the Colts cast. Stampede Blue. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation. And I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain. Or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it then in that moment. You don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of like afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts. Hello, I'm Neelai Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts.